to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's Weird Brunch we're live, right? We're, we're live, live. <laughs> but now we're recording too. Now we're so recording. Now, now the two now, people saw our secrets. <laughs> they saw the behind the scenes, but Spencer didn't hear the shout out. So now I have to say, yeah, yeah shout out to Spencer. Unless he's watching, he might be. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not allowed to see who it is until they start chatting. If you want to chat, chat, just chat. It's fine. Chat, just chat. Just like, say just something. Chat. Just say something. God damn it. Say something. Hey. I'm giving up on you. All right. We got somebody to say something. Now we're hey. fine. All right. Okay. Were they nice? They said hello. And then another person said, hey, y'all. I don't know if that now. counts as nice or not, or just like passing on the street, passively friendly. I like it counts as nice. Like a, like a head yeah, nod. A little head twitch. On the, yeah. The um, internet head nod. The internet head switch are the best. Oh my god! What? Yeah, it's okay. Are you I'm okay? okay. I'm mostly okay. I stayed up very late last night, and I feel like I can hear it, and my voice is just a little deeper than usual because I'm just a disgusting oh. human. So okay, but also That's, like, okay, when is that? Look. What? When does that start? She's, because it used to be when I would smoke a pack of cigarettes, I'd wake up with that. But now it's right. just like, oops, she stayed up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't smoke anymore for a either. But yes, still get <sighs> that fun, deep, old woman Well, technically, voice. as someone who used to sing in Glee Club that met at 6.30 a.m. before school in middle school, I will tell you, <gasps> that is not an age thing. When you wake up in the morning, your throat is more relaxed and your pitch is deeper. And that can get you into real trouble when your choir director thinks that you can sing lower than you actually can when the concert comes and you just are way up there. Spend the whole time on stage. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, and they're not able to sing the voice. Most <laughs> that you can. So do you, you think your whole section down? Would it Dang. be better if kids' choir recitals were at like 6 30 a.m.? I was in choir too, and I feel like most of like competitions and UIL stuff, you do have to get there at like six thirty eight. Yes, yeah, and, and do the all halls. the warm ups and all that. Yeah, and, the and all the halls band. that they book for this, they don't give you prime time. It's always like, hey, it's a three p.m. concert mm-hmm. where some eighth <laughs> graders are going to sing to you. Those co- yeah. UIL competitions are so weird. Like, I'm just think they're just so weird. Yep. Like we're going to ship all of our kids off for a day, sometimes too, to wherever. <laughs> I know. And, and they ship us all dressed in fucking suits. Or- yeah. We all have on those hideous, like, floor length choir dresses. Ugh. Hated those uh, things. Or boys they're... and the cummerbunds and shit. Mm-hmm. Like polyester. Um, it's all polyester. Mm-hmm. 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 Itchy, itchy, itchy. It's so weird. But washed well. Anyways, let's start a choir of adults that's not affiliated with church. I feel like they don't Um, exist. Other than like barbershop shit. Yeah, the the sea shanties. I did see one. Some people did. um, They covered a Nickelback song. And it was much better as a sea shanty than as a Nickelback song. Which Nickelback song? It wasn't Photograph. It was... I think it was Rockstar. 
Maybe. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, how familiar, how familiar with the Nickelback catalog are you? I think I've got three that I would maybe recognize, and we've already discussed two of them. Yeah. Did they and sing then the, the Superman song? Or the, the Godzilla one? Who sang the, will I go crazy and will you still? No, that's not that's them, right? Three Doors no, Down. That's okay. Three Doors Down, yeah. That's, They're all the same uh, band, though. Yeah. Trump <laughs> Inauguration. Yes, Trump down. Inauguration, Three Doors Down. Oh, that's right. That's right. I thought it was Third Eye Blind for a long time, and I was really, mm. like, confused. I was like, I didn't know they were that. But Three Doors Down, I did know they were that way. I feel like Stephen Jenkins of Third Eye Blind would do that for the attention. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think Three Doors Down was like, yeah, we'll sing Kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's right. We'll come to the inauguration and sing to the president about a <laughs> about stone that robs everybody of their yeah, powers. Going crazy. Yeah. With power. Ooh, mm-hmm. weird. What a concept. Well, because yeah. the music video for that was that old man running around in his fucking underwear. Remember? This, oh. Y'all, new conspiracy. Oh. Ooh. Third, three doors down, knew it. They set it all up. Oh. That was a warning. For of Trump. Wait. Mm-hmm. They knew what? Okay. Because we all saw that coming. I mean, anybody with a brain. Whoa. But, but, but all of down. it. <laughs> did we oh. see all of that coming? Could we have anticipated all the terribleness? I do like that they specifically predicted the photograph of Trump playing tennis with his adult diaper showing. I think that's oh. what they're, the specific prediction that their music video. I wish he had had a cape too. Oh man. <laughs> you, that'd be so easy to Photoshop. Yeah, just little Photoshop cape with his white shorts. Aw. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I do love. I gotta be careful. We're getting nostalgic. We yeah, are. I know. I know. Yeah. Just to move it to current day, what's her fucking name? Marjorie Psycho. Oh yeah. Yes, Marjorie Psycho Green. That's her name. That's her I, what I the fuck? Like I've been hearing shit about her for you know a couple months, but I feel like this last week it's just ramped up on her fucking insanity. Yeah. I saw some people saying that she is inbred. Is that true? I mean, if you look at her face. She's representing Northwest Georgia. So. So we'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, My like, favorite how do you thing. Get rid of- go. Say what how you, you want. <laughs> say what you want. Uh, what? How do you get rid of someone like that? Not like offer, but like get her out one of way. They're up for election every two years. It's it's not. It's like the opposite of an appointment for life. The way to get rid of her is for all of us to decide to live in rural Northwest Georgia and vote her out. I like or truth. just put up with the fact that the people from rural Northwest Georgia are determined to put an asshole in the Congress because I think she's replacing an asshole who retired. Right? I think there's a long tradition of of assholes. I mean, <laughs> I'll take an asshole, but somebody who. Is like QAnon, Queen Anon. Yeah. I'm more worried about this Brobert character from Colorado. I feel responsible for that. Like I need to move home and help vote her out. She's the one who's trying to like take guns onto the Capitol floor because that'll prove something. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, it proved something a few weeks ago. So just, I guess just keep mm-hmm. doing it until it works. Yeah. That's what you exactly. do with jokes too. Get up there, put just your feet on the, on the desk, do the <sighs> whole thing. I miss jokes. Can we tell Jimmy? <laughs> Not right now. Tell, I was like, you got one? <laughs> Spit it <laughs> out. Let's no, I haven't, it. Written, I haven't written a joke in four years. I haven't <laughs> written one that I've said on stage right. in four years. Yeah, I know. Some Sorry. of them are 10 years old. <laughs> I'm adopted. <laughs> Did I tell you? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nobody mm. told you that. Nobody told us that. I'm still very excited about, um, well, I love the meme of the four Wednesdays of January because everything crazy has happened in January and the most recent one being GameStop and stonks Mm -hmm. and all that that is just I love the idea that a bunch of Redditors and weirdos are just out there to crash the hedge fund babies dreams into like a big giant shit pool I like yeah. that the word stonks has yes. ruined your husband. Totally ruined him. <laughs> but maybe we'll get him. rich quick. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. It's, he's calling it Game Stonk now, though. And that's just my favorite thing. Yeah. He's been on those Reddit threads for way too long. <laughs> I need to get in there. No, you don't. But- no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. No, it's it's exactly what it seems like. Did you do anything with any of that, Karina? No, I. This is I. I worked in finance long enough to know that this is not. I don't want to get in either side of those. I don't want to be on the hedge fund side, and I don't want to be on the day trader side. That is two bloody muddy armies. That no, I like to put my stocks somewhere very quiet and safe where they don't do anything. That's Grow moderately a little bit that's every right. year, hopefully. You know that song from Mary Poppins about putting a penny in the bank? That mm. guys sing? Yeah, it's like that. That's that's how I invest. I'm very boring. And I like it that way. This is, I mean, it's fun to watch. It's basically the equivalent of a rowdy mob of punks throwing cat shit at a mansion right. uh, until the property value goes down, um, which is like... Illegal, technically. Uh, immoral, technically. Enjoyable, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things. I love where, like, it. it. Did two wrongs make a right here? Probably. I don't know. But it's not like admirable behavior in, in the macroeconomic sense. I don't know. It shouldn't be legal either way. Hedge What the hedge well, funds are doing and what GameStop is doing should not be. Yes. I'm almost on team stocks should not be legal. Like Exactly. We, exactly. And I think this is coming, but there needs to be a full ass like rework of how this shit happens. And well, it should have been in well, 2008 when everything got fucked, but they exactly. didn't they didn't yeah. do anything about it. And then just, every all these progressives break my heart by saying, you know, like making fun of Warren. I'm like, she's the only person who knows how to fix this guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying she would have been a good president. I'm just saying, like, stop dragging Elizabeth Warren. She's the one person who's been saying all along that this shit sucks. Yeah, but that's what everyone's favorite thing to do is. I know. Mm-hmm. And she's trying. finally back and being talked about, so. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> she's like three doors down. 
suddenly relevant. She's like, <laughs> oh my god, that I don't should know, be their tagline. <laughs> suddenly relevant. Oh. Mm. Uh. Oh, look, uh, somebody said, as a former CPA, I'm with you, Karina. See, I've got the accountants on my side. All you know I did saying? was I just bought a bunch of that doggy coin and then got fucked by it. So oh, I'm just waiting on doggies. You yeah. didn't go out last year, so you, you should, you know, fucking gamble the money you normally would have been spending going out or whatever yeah. you want to think about it. I, I fully support you. Thank Crypto you. is just the financial version of rich people going to space so they don't have to deal with the consequences of the planet and the environment and the economy that they ruined. That's all crypto is. It's just rich people escaping the currency so they can have their own currency. Dang. Yeah. This is depressing. <laughs> Money <laughs> doesn't exist. Time doesn't exist. This is where we are now. I vote. We do like 50,000 more of these game stock situations and mm-hmm. then we reform. But let me get in on all 50,000. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody should get one nostalgic retail store stock bump in there. That's the stimulus, right? Limited to, I'm coming for you, babe. That's right. Like, ooh, I'm going to make my $300 on a sudden TCBY spike and then I'm going to mm-hmm. vote for reform. Spencer's gifts. Yeah. Gadzooks. Oh, good one. Showbiz Pizza. Oh, wow. I think they're gone. Yeah. What was the never heard of? KB Toys? That was the one that was in the mall, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. These are all good. Should we say welcome to Weird Brunch? Yeah. Thanks for watching us. (laughs) I'm Whitney Lamond. (laughs) I'm Lisa Friedrich. I'm Karina Magyar. Perfect. <laughs> Nailed, Nailed it. Yeah. Well, if, if we want to keep talking about politics, I have a politics story. <gasps> Ooh, do it. It'll See? be educational and then it'll be weird at the end. So that's, hang with me. That's, that's a all classic Karina and I all love it. All I've ever yeah. wanted. This is going to be some real standard what you should have learned in high school history. But I probably did. Why you didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you about Gouverneur Morris. Gouverneur Morris is one of the most underrated and underappreciated founding fathers of the United States of America. His name is weird. It looks like governor, but it's pronounced Gouverneur. But uh, his grandfather was the British governor of New Jersey, and he was named after his grandfather, uh, and expected to do great things, which he did. So because his grandfather was one of the British governors, they had a nice huge estate in what is now known as the Bronx. It was essentially the size of the Bronx, and it was called Morrisiana. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the family was is Morris. That where, so they called it- is that where J-Lo's from, technically? Morrisiana. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um yeah, so Gouverneur was still Gouverneur from the block, but his whole family <laughs> descended from French Huguenots who fled persecution as Protestants from Catholic France, went to the Netherlands to be all Protestant and shit, and then got on that sweet, like, hey, we bought Manhattan for 60 beads or whatever gig in New York. So that's how he got to New York. 
but uh, his whole family history was infused with this idea of like, we are persecuted for our religion. And that comes into play later. So he was born in 1752. He went to King's College, which is now known as Columbia, and uh, became a lawyer in 1775 at the age of 23. 1775, a great year to graduate from college. A Fantastic. lot going on. You want to protest stuff. You want to get out there and use that youthful energy. Here's a musket, kid, right? So he was all about independence. He was all about breaking away from the man. Uh, but his family was not. They were loyalists during the, res- the revolution. Um, in fact, his half-brother, Stats Long Morris, was a general for the Redcoats during the war. So this was a civil war for their family. Mm. Um, and when the, bat- the British won the Battle of Long Island in 1775 and took over New York, his mom gave Morrisiana to the Brits to use as a military base. So he was essentially homeless by fighting for the revolutionaries. Um, but he was a big proponent of the army, hung around with his pal GW, George Washington. They were best buds. Uh, he was he was there at Valley Forge, and he saw how shitty things were, and he got on his horse, and he went back to wherever, Philadelphia or wherever, and the whole little Congress, the Continental Congress, was like in 1778, like saying, dude, things are not going well. Uh, we should fire George Washington. He's doing shit. You know, he got stuck in Valley Forge. He's not doing anything. And Gouverneur Morris was like, no, GW is the man. And he cast the deciding vote because it was perfectly split to keep George Washington. So if it weren't for him, no George Washington as the first president or anything. He would have just been a fired general that nobody talks about. Hmm. In fact, Gouverneur Morris was also six feet tall and looked a lot like G-Dub, and he like wore a similar wig. So he literally served as a model for the statue of Washington that now is at the Capitol in Richmond, Virginia. That, so, is, that is some cucked ass shit. They were buds. They were like twinsies. They were like, you know, they, they were jinkos and stuff. I don't know why I'm trying to hit this up. I'm just nervous about tell, they talking were revolutionary history. The hot mean girls. They were the hot mean girls. <laughs> he was the youngest signer of the Articles of Confederation in 1778 and became the representative from the colony of New York um, in the like initial government that we had. But he immediately lost re-election in 1779 because New York was extremely anti-federalist. Um, Hamilton, you know, <laughs> uh, and he was super federalist because he was buds with G-Dub and also low-key, like even though he split off from his family to join the revolution, sort of believed that like the aristoc- aristocracy was a good idea and things should be a little bit more like centralized government, don't let the stupid people vote, only wealthy landowners. Like he was kind of on that side of things. Classist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but since he lost his job in New York for being too much of a classist, he had to move to Pennsylvania where all the classists hung out. Uh, and in 1780, he was riding in a carriage and he had an accident getting out of it and he lost half of his left leg. So Whoa, he okay. himself. <laughs> Whoa. Fucking how? But it rolled over his leg. Oh, I thought it was just him like stepping out. Uh, <laughs> like, no, just, just slip and fall. I think he was trying to do like a quick, you know, a quick exit and uh, got, whatever, I wasn't there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, he has a peg leg now. So at the age of 28, he got himself a peg leg, six foot tall guy with a peg leg. Nice. I love it. Uh, Oh, he fell. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did, actually. That was one of the things he was noted for, is he stayed single up until he was 56 years old, and he fucked, and he kept a diary, and we know exactly who and how often. And it was some pretty class limit ladies. Like, he, he got around in the higher circles of society. Uh, it's a pretty good fuck journal. <laughs> so I feel like that serial killer but <laughs> fuck journal. No, no, no. He's just a playboy. He's just like okay. everybody loves Gouverneur. He was like a suave guy. He's a really good talker. Everybody like invited him to come talk at their stuff because like you need someone to talk at Gouverneur. He's good at it. And that kind of kept him in the upper circles of American society, such that he was appointed to the Constitutional Congress in 1787 when they said these Articles of Confederation suck. We need a constitution. And he was the representative from Pennsylvania. One of the two, him and who's the other guy? Oh, yeah, the other guy who liked to fuck, Benjamin Franklin. So they're the two. Uh, Yeah, he goes there and he uh, ends up, because he's a good talker and he's got a lot of great ideas, being the person who literally writes the Constitution. He's the penman of the Constitution. And in the course of like jotting it all down and being the person who actually made the drafts, we have textual proof that he added some of the key parts. The biggest one being that the original draft said, we the people of the states, and he changed that to we the people of the United States, arguably naming our whole country in the process. Damn. So, yeah, he's the important dude at the Con- Constitutional Congress, which is cool because he was the one dude at the Constitutional Congress who, A, hated slavery, and B, wouldn't shut up about it. He was the most vocal opponent of slavery. Um, you could interpret it as he was just a little bit jealous of the economic advantage it gave to the South, but he like went all in on like the human rights stuff, too. So it wasn't purely just rich guy being angry that other people were getting free labor. So some also, choice votes- to an extent, I don't give a shit why you're mad about it. If you're vocal at that year, go mm-hmm. run, run with it. Yeah, good call. Uh, here's some choice quotes from Gouverneur Morris. Uh, upon what principle? This is against uh, the three fifths compromise, which he fucking lost his shit over. Uh, upon what principle is it that slaves shall be computed in the representation? Are they men? Then make them citizens and let them vote. Are they property? Well, then how come no other property is included? My house is worth more than all the slaves in South Carolina. (laughs) So like, that was his whole thing. Like, if we're going to count property, then the North has a lot more property than the South. So we still get more votes. Like, he was just hated the South. He thought that the whole way they were doing shit was wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, So then he took a little bit nicer version and said, the admission of slaves into representation when fairly explained comes to this. The inhabitant of Georgia and South Carolina who goes to the coast of Africa and in defiance of the most sacred laws of humanity tears away his fellow creatures from their dearest connections and damns them to the most cruel bondages is going to get more votes in our federal government than the people of Pennsylvania and New Jersey who views such things with laudable horror, such a nefarious practice. In other words, he was right there at the very beginning saying the Electoral College is tilted towards the slave states. Everything that the Southern states were doing was to get an advantage of the slave without having to actually treat them like human beings. And he was against it. Uh, So he vote, he wanted direct votes for the president Uh, and he almost won. He lost by the electoral college passed by one vote and uh, fuck that person. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And he said, it's going to be like Cardinals picking an unworthy politician as Pope rather than a holy man. And 
man, he has not been wrong. Yep. Uh, James Madison uh, set, described his attitude as reduced to the dilemma of doing injustice to the Southern states or to human nature. He chose to do injustice to the Southern states. So in other words, he stuck by his principles. And uh, he also hated Western states because he assumed more slavery would go on out there. So he wanted less than full statehood for anything other than the original colonies until slavery was abolished. He was right about that as well. And he could have prevented the Civil War if people had just listened to him. So Governor Morris, peg leg, awesome dude, good at fucking, good at slavery. After the revolution. Good at hating slavery. Good at hating slavery, yes. right, yeah. <laughs> good at words. Yeah. Good at words. Uh, after the revolution, uh, he took his uh, Pennsylvania congressmate's job. Benjamin Franklin retired and died pretty quickly after the constitution was ratified and he went and became one of the ambassadors to France. Still single, still keeping great hot diaries of what he was doing out there. But he was there uh, right during the French revolution. And he took the side of the aristocracy because he was always kind of of the belief that like, you need some sort of educated class in the real charge, you know? Um, because if you just let anybody vote, bad things will happen. So he really particularly took the side of Marie Antoinette, probably because mm-hmm. they fucked, but there's no proof. Uh, he <laughs> has somebody like in his diary. That's how, we, that's how you that's fuck how they do lady. it in France. Yeah. Just, a princess. Yeah. yeah. Well, a queen. Uh, there's somebody in his diary named M.A. Most historians don't think it's her, but... He is the only American who stayed on at his post during the terror. So during Robespierre and all the beheadings, he didn't leave. He just like hung out there and kept saying, you guys are all wrong. You're all wrong. People back home are wrong. I know how to do things. Nobody listens to me, but stop doing this. And he found himself in the center of a hostile mob. And this is a quote from a um, newspaper at the time. Found himself in the center of a hostile mob in favor of hanging him on the nearest lamppost when he unfastened his wooden leg, brandished it above his head, and proclaimed himself an American who had lost a limb fighting for liberty, upon which the mob's suspicions melted into enthusiastic cheers. Of course, he lost his leg by accidentally falling under a carriage, but, you know, whatever. It got him out of there alive. So, good move, dude. Smart. So the wooden leg comes in handy. Uh, 1798, he returns back to take over a vacated Senate seat in New York. So he becomes a senator from New York. Uh, But the first chance they get to reelect him, they vote him out because he was still a Federalist in New York still and has always hated the Federalists. So he was just like, fine. And he spent his later career in his 50s uh, doing such small things as leading the Erie Canal Commission to build the Erie Canal. And he was the leader of the three-person committee in charge of laying out the streets of Manhattan. So the entire layout of Manhattan. Thank you, Governor Morris. He was everywhere. He did everything. Yeah, so organized, so numbered. Beautiful. Uh, So anyway, let's get into the weird stuff. First, he finally gets married in 1809 to somebody named Anne Carey Randolph, who was known as Nancy. And when I say known as, I mean known as Nancy. She was part of the biggest crime scandal of the early American decades. She lived on a little farmstead in Virginia that was named Bizarre. (laughs) 
Uh, not like Harper's Bazaar, but like literally B-I-Z-A-R-R-E. How bizarre. She lived there with her sister, Judith, and Judith's husband, Randolph. In 1793, Richard and Nancy were accused of murdering a baby that was born of a love affair between them. So she fucked her sister's husband. They had a baby. They killed it after it was born. The accusation of murder comes. Against the husband, of course, because women mm-hmm. don't count. Richard stood trial, but he was acquitted because his lawyer was Patrick Henry of give me liberty or give me death fame. So like, good lawyer. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like getting Giuliani's a lawyer because it was old Patrick Henry. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so he gets acquitted in 1795. And a couple months after that dies mysteriously. Ooh. Both sisters were accused of killing him for different reasons. Judith, because he fucked her sister, and Nancy, because he fucked up killing their baby. But either way, he got killed. (laughs) (laughs) And the two sisters continued living on at Bazaar until suddenly one day in 1805, Judith kicked Nancy out and said, I can't take you anymore. Get thee away from me. And she was booted out of her home. So she made her way north to Connecticut and made a lot of uh, connections amongst prominent New England families. The implication here is that Nancy was a bit of a slut. Um, Rude. Historically speaking, Mm. casting aspersions on her nature. But just that's sort of how she moved around. And then she got hired as a housekeeper at Morrisiana, which Gouverneur had recently gotten back from his family since they had all died and also his side had won the war. So he hires this housekeeper named Nancy. They fall in love. By all accounts, it was true love. Like they uh, really found their soulmates with each other. They got married. Uh, At the time, he was 57 and she was 35. And it was just a whole bunch of this from Mm, then on out. mm, mm. Or was it? Because (gasps) by the time Gouverneur got married at 57, he had some problems. Uh, He had a peg leg for a dick. <laughs> yes. I think that would have worked. That would have been right. Because it would have splinters. You know, s- splinters, but it would have stayed the uh-huh. way it should, you know. You guys have no idea what's coming. Okay. okay. So. Oh, no. <laughs> In the 1810s, Morris was inflicted by an extreme pain in the penis. Uh-oh. It was probably, historians believe, a combination of a UTI and prostate cancer. But whatever it was, it really, 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 really bothered him. Uh, he tried cupping. He tried leeches. He tried opium. He tried herbs. He tried herbal life. I don't know. He tried like everything, right? Is he doing this all to his dingle? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. He tried all of it. And it turns out he'd been feeling bad in the dick since the 1790s when he was in France. And he complained about his dick long and loud to everyone. So it was like everybody knew Gouverneur Morris, good guy, real statesman, got a pain in the dick that he can't seem to get rid of. <laughs> that was like the main thing he was known for. So in France, in the 1790s, somebody had successfully helped him out by putting a flexible stick of hickory directly into his urethra. And Ooh. apparently just poking it straight in there helped alleviate his pain. So once again, historians think this is probably because it was a kidney stone at that time, not a kidney stone this time, 
Nevertheless, it had gotten so bad and his uh, marriage was unable to be like, you know, enjoyed because it was so bad that he said, you know what, it's 1816. I'm going to do this myself. I don't need to go get a doctor in France to do it. I'll do it with myself. Do I have a flexible stick of hickory? No, but I do have this long piece of whalebone from my, from my wife's corset. And he shoved his this whalebone straight up his peepee hole. No. And this is what he died of in 1816. Oh, this is like that scene in Deadwood that I have to mute. <laughs> yeah. And that's the story of Gouverneur Morris, the founding father who did amazing things for our country, but nobody talks about because he died of shoving a whalebone up his dick. Oh, my God. Did he? Okay, so, I mean, sure, I'm sure that's, like, very horrible and painful, but did he die because of, like, infection from it? Okay. Yeah, he did it multiple times it slowly got infected he kept trying to clear the infection out by continuing to do it and he basically shredded his dick apart and died of the infection oh my god yeah (laughs) he was a desperate man looking for a desperate solution desperately call a fucking doctor dude it was 1816. There were no right? doctors. They probably this. would have been like, sure, that sounds like a plan to me. Go for they it. They tried the cupping and the leeches and the opium and the herbal life. Like, they didn't try the whalebone. This was, he was like. Did he try prayer? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> he was a Protestant uh, in name, but he was actually one of the people in the Constitutional Convention who was most responsible for the first amendment and making sure that they safeguarded the freedom of all Americans to worship as they pleased because of his Huguenot background. I forgot to mention that everybody credits Gouverneur Morris as being like the leading voice on that. And Thomas Jefferson was like, I'm behind you on that. And it forged a North South compromise and nobody really questioned it because those two dudes agree that religion should be not the business of the country. So he's had a major hand in freedom of religion in this country too, because he didn't really want to be told how to pray. I'm then he shredded his dick. Yeah. And he shredded his dick up. Just because he shredded his peen does not mean we shouldn't (laughs) learn about it. He did a bunch of good stuff, man. Like, why are we focusing on the peen shredding? Exactly. Like, as I think it's. I, and this is the problem. Like we can overlook all sorts of bad stuff. Like Thomas Jefferson, we talk about TJ all the time and he like raped his slaves and stuff. Like, right. so he was, he had some uh, bad behaviors to say the least. Can't we overlook this dude's fuck journal and dick problems? Right. That's what I'm saying. He's hmm. obviously a good statesman. But anyway, I'm, that's Gouverneur Morris. I'm, I'm going to get a shirt printed up with him on it. And then nice. on the back, it'll be a shredded dick. It'll be for you. It's just like a, imagine like a, you know, like a hot dog yeah. that's split at the end. And it's kind or of like a, with the infection, like an awesome blossom. Oh, from like the oh. I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, we still have viewers. That's amazing. No. We're just getting a lot of emojis, but they're here. Okay. That's- what are their emojis? Just a bunch of sad faces. It's a bunch of eggplants and like a, I don't Knives. know. Knives. Knife. Egg. A whale. Oh. <laughs> Just a whale. There are a lot of emojis. There, there are. We can story. figure it out. We can figure that out. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, um, I can go next if you want. Mine is yours. Yeah. 
uh, also from a little bit ago, but not really. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend and one of our listeners, Rick Kern, who sent me this story. Oh, yeah. You know Rick, too. Yeah. Um, But he sent me this, and it's pretty wild. Uh, Most of what I'm doing is coming from an article by a girl named Megan Giller. Um, I don't know if the site that it was on exists anymore. It's called Van Winkles, and it's like some site that's only about sleep. Like everything they do is about sleep. And so this in and of itself is a story. Right. This is about the origins of sleepy time tea. So let's get to it. I'm also yes. kind of sleepy. So sleepy time. Do you drink sleepy time tea? Oh my god, I've got I've got a jar of chamomile this tall. Uh, Dang. In the house because like if without sleepy time tea we would be dead. Oh my god. All right, okay. one of the chatters just did a whale and an eggplant for us. So. There you go. Whale eggplant. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sleepy time tea is one of arguably the most popular teas on the entire planet. It sells about 1.6 billion cups per year. Uh, it's the largest tea manufacturer in North America. Uh, before sleepy time tea came along, the um, all tea was made from the plant Camellia sinensis, if that's how you say it. And that's where white tea, yellow tea, green tea, oolong tea, and dark tea, and black tea, like all the teas come from this plant until sleepy time tea comes around. And there's this guy named Mo Siegel, and he was a hippie, and he had a bunch of hippie friends, and he was selling his own like tea concoction in the late 60s, and it was doing really well. And he was like, you know what? We don't have to fucking only be making tea from this Camellia senescis. Like, let's branch out literally. And uh, a bunch of friends, let's go fucking hike up into the Rocky Mountains and we're going to look for herbs. And they were like, tight. I guess that makes sense. Uh, And they end up harvesting 500 pounds of herbs just from walking through the mountains and herb hunting. Um, and from Did they the, have like a little red wagon or something, or were like they just like carrying it? Hundred of them. I don't know. Yeah. I imagine yeah. it was just yeah, just them like throwing herbs and stuff. So from these herbs, they make Moe's thirty six herb tea, which is a blend from chamomile, spearmint, and other herbs. Um, and this does really great. They make sleepy time tea from this also they go to the bank and the bank is like we love it let's invest like yeah we're totally down for sleepy time tea and they name the overall brand name is celestial and that's yes that is where everything kind of comes from so the reason mo siegel and john hay the two founders of Celestial Seasoning named it is because they were into this new aged Bible called the Arantia book. And the Arantia book is fucked up. Let's talk about it. So this book is 
a two, like almost 2,100 page book published in 1955. So it's huge. It's like the size of the actual Bible-ish, I think. Infinite jest. Yeah. Or infinite jest for the douches out there. Um, Just kidding. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm not. Okay. Uh, so published in 1955, it's a modified Seventh-day Adventist text that was supposedly, and I feel like this fits with other stories I've told, but it was supposedly communicated to an, an, an anonymous man who was in a trance speaking to aliens. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's like how all Bibles are written. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I think. That's just how you do it. But aliens, right? So mm-hmm. um, yeah. in reality, people think that it was actually authored by a 1900 psychiatrist named William Sadler who used it as a vessel to propagate his racist ideas and super duper interest in eugenics. Um, Don't you love it? So in the book of Arantia, it is said that Lucifer, Satan, Adam and Eve, Jesus, and a few other people are all extraterrestrial beings who visited Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three parts of the book, like describe the universe and invi- visible seraphim and spirits and beings, blah, blah, blah. They also, Lisa, for you, she can't even hear it, but Lisa, <laughs> um, it details Jesus's entire 36 years of life. So yes. oh, that's included. Um, But it also says that there are many sons of God similar to Jesus, and that's because there are a billion worlds and evolution in that world. It's all supposed to be happening kind of the same way. Um, There's 100,000 local universes with 10 million inhabited planets. Earth happens to be called Arantia. It's number 606 in the planetary group named Satania. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun, right? The headquarters of Arantia, a.k.a. Earth, is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when we die, we're recreated from planet to planet. And then we finally get to paradise. So, And that's where the deity who created everything lives. Um, so the idea, I guess, is that you have to die basically 10 million times before. You yeah. Is there a there. order? Are we like number 616 and you keep climbing up the ladder or is it just, you got to catch them all? I don't know. I didn't have time to research all 10 million planets that they say. In class. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So people who are interested in the Rancho book because they exist and there is a website still all about this and it, they want to be considered a religion and blah, blah, blah. Um, they're like, dude, we are not a cult. We're just like cool fucking people trying to be happy. But in the book itself, they <laughs> refer to a new cult that will be the true religion of the future. So it even kind of says it's a cult in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of, mistake. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of the Arantia book is that because 
it was not written by a human because it was from an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's not like it can't be copywritten in, and so it's free everywhere. You can go online and download it, but <laughs> it's because it cannot be copywritten that an alien wrote this, that it's just no, but it belongs to no one. We didn't get the alien's name. No, we don't have the alien's name. Mm -hmm. I don't think we might. Let's, let's continue. So what really happened, like I said, is this guy named William Sadler, who was the one who like pushed out the book and was like, yeah, I met this guy and he dicked, he said all these things over like a period of like 10 years. Um, William Sadler, there's a guy like in an apartment building around him that starts having these like weird trance things. He's speaking in other voices. He's doing all this stuff and him and his wife him and his wife are like let's go fucking talk to this guy like he's doing weird shit so they talk to him like i said for 10 years they have their adopted daughter it's specified christy is there to take <laughs> notes. so christy is taking notes it's always specified yeah 10 years taking notes in the 20s uh sadler and his wife are like we're going to get together some of our smart friends and they put together, they called themselves the forum. They put together 4,000 questions to ask this unnamed human who is the vessel for talking to the aliens. And in a few weeks, this person like stayed up all night, all day for a couple of weeks and answered every single one of their 4,000 questions in this like huge manifesto that eventually became the Arantia book. Um, like we've talked about before in the late 1800s, everybody was into like trying out new religions or different like, you know, ways of thinking. Good Spirit for you. Goes. Yeah. So people were kind of open to it. Um So they never reveal the name of the human transmitter, but a lot of people think that it was actually William Sadler's brother-in-law, Wilfred Wilfred Custer Kellogg. And Kellogg, that's an interesting last name that we all know, isn't it? And it's because it fucking is. Um, Oh, yeah. Related to the Kellogg family. Uh. So let's talk a little bit about the Kellogg's. Um, hold on. Let me, I'm sorry. I'm messing it up now. Oh, it was so nice. Uh, so <laughs> Sadler, um, hold on. I'm going back. I'm sorry, everybody. So I'm not going to talk about Kellogg (laughs) quite yet. I got to get through some other stuff. I thought I was there. Um, So about the Arantia book, it was, like I said, super racist and focused a lot on eugenics. Um, It stated that 500,000 years ago, six colored races appeared on Arantia. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo. Whoa, 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 whoa! All colors of red and yellow. Orange. Mm-hmm. Red, yellow. orange, yellow, green, blue, green, 
blue indigo. indigo. So there were no white people. Well, that like was, that's people. not right, though. Uh, so from what you can gather th from the text, indigo is the equivalent of the black race. Blue is mostly of. associated with white people. In the book, it says the yellow race usually enslaves the green while the blue man subdues the indigo. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> Where's these green people? Because yeah. they're supposed to enslave the blue people then. I mean, Who's the green we'd people? love to see it, but yeah. eh, it hasn't happened, at least as far mm -hmm. as we know. So on every planet, throughout every universe, a fair-skinned, blue-eyed alien, or fair-skinned, blue-eyed aliens named Adam and Eve appear sometime to upstep the natives which is just as bad as how it sounds. Um, when their progeny mate with acceptable inhabitants of the planet, the, quote, inferior stocks will be eliminated and there will be one purified race, one language, and one religion. Stocks? <laughs> They're calling people stocks? Yes, yes. It sounds yes. like the third verse of Imagine. But, uh, <laughs> God... The inferior and unfit will largely be eliminated, um, and it it'll be considered biologic disfellowshipping, which <laughs> is terrifying. Also, um, I think that's what happened between Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow. So biologic, biologic. We're having a biologic disfellowshipping. Um, and you get rid of the markedly unfit, defective, degenerate, and antisocial stocks as well. Uh, the problem, yeah. though, Earth, of course, Arantia, being its unique self, uh, they say that the Adam and Eve that appeared on Earth kind of fucked everything up and didn't do what they were supposed to, which is why we live in where we are now, where there are still different races of people and not everybody has been naturally eliminated <laughs> to be like some weird perfection that mm -hmm. they see. Um, I hate it so much. I know. I do too. I'm assuming they did did get rid of the orange and green people because I'm still stuck on they, who the orange and green people are. Well, I mean, you can go read the 2000 page book. I bet it says somewhere in there. Maybe. Um, paper 70 of the Arantia book says biologic renovation of the racial stocks, the selective elimination of inferior human strains tend to eradicate many more many mortal inequalities and they can this person compared it to hitler's mind kampf which is quote the demand that defective people be prevented from propagating equally dis, dis, defective offspring represents the most human act of mankind so you know this idea of eugenics and purification is actually just being really nice to everybody. If you look at it that way, uh, okay. isn't that nice of them? So, uh, William Sadler, our guy who put out this book and probably wrote it himself, got his start working for John H. Kellogg at Battle Creek Sanitarium, which Kellogg is the 
owner and creator of Battle Creek Sanitarium. And that is where he created Kellogg's Flakes because part of his um, kind of diet plan for people at the hospital was that you you need low protein and low calories. So basically everyone was just eating like a fuck ton of bread all the time. And he created frost or not frosted flakes, but just regular corn flakes for everybody to eat all the time. Kellogg was a huge person in eugenics. Also, he published or um, influenced by Kellogg. Sadler publishes three eugenics books on his own, one called Long Heads and Round Heads, Racial Decadence, colon, oh. An Examination of the Causes of Racial Degeneration in the United States, and The Truth About Heredity. Uh, so the Book of Arantia actually, like, for real quotes from some of the other books that he's written. So that's another reason why we think that old Sadler wrote this himself. Oh, you um, don't think that alien could have been a big follower of Kellogg? I, I mean, it could. You never know. Aliens do weird alien stuff. Um, he, he thought that obviously you should get rid of all the un- inferior races, but he also said that some races are more or are, are more moral than others. Um, his wife, Lena Sadler also had her hand in all this stuff. She was published um, as saying, or a speech or something, a paper she wrote called Is the Abnormal to Become Normal? And in it, she calls for mandatory sterilization laws that practice good eugenics, saying that if we don't fix this, quote, ultimately, this monster will grow to show such hideous proportions that it will strike us down. Jesus. There's literally quoting the emperor from Star Wars. I know. She's terrible. If we practice (laughs) eugenics correctly, she continues, we'll eliminate at least 90% of crime, insanity, feeble-mindedness, moronism, abnormal sexuality, Moronism? Moronism. Abnormal sexuality. uh, Not to mention many other forms of defectiveness or degeneracy. Uh, And then she says that because of this, we won't even need prisons or hospitals anymore. Uh, So... (laughs) Because no one will be left. No. The Book of Arantia was, like I said, heavily influenced or it heavily influenced Mo Siegel, the founder of Sleepy Time Tea. A lot of the quotes on the bags of Sleepy Time Tea, I think, are on the back of the boxes, are from the book of Arantia. Uh, Still? Yeah. Um, there, Mo Siegel is not still like the head of Sleepy Time or Celestial Seasonings. He retired in 2002. Um, John Hay, the other person who founded it with him, who was also into Arantia, left it back in 1985 because he got pissed at Siegel because Siegel was like, we're going to be the Coca-Cola of tea. 
And he was like, that's not what I'm all about. Uh, we're not doing this to make money. I'm, you know, like a dirty hippie and I just want people to like be cool. Uh, Siegel obviously was like Nabra and decided to build it up to what it is now. Um, at one time, Siegel was the president of the Un. It's such a weird word. <laughs> the Arantia found like a uh, foundation. Um, he's not anymore. If you look it up, it's this young fucking guy. He looks like the biggest douchebag. I went and watched a video that is on their site, which is arantiabook.org. Um, they didn't even say the word Arantia. The video itself is about six minutes long, but they don't mention the word Arantia until like minute five. Cause I was like, I mainly watched it because I was like, is it Arantia or am I going to spell it? Am I going to pronounce this weird? Because the spelling is U-R-A-N-T-I-A. Arantia. But yeah, they all, it's very, if you go look at it, it's definitely one of those like inspirational type of things. And they're like, we love children and this is our community and (laughs) woman talks about how much she loves conferences and i was like do you just she she just loves conferences like are you just going to vegas and crashing conferences because you just like group (laughs) chatting um which might be true what a psycho yeah i really love the idea of a eugenics-based cult saying we love children they do and it says it talks about brotherhood and acceptance for all and i tried to look up the arantia book on reddit to see what reddit had to say about it and most of it comes from the christianity subreddit which is the place i don't think i ever want to go back to it was very weird plowing through all of that um but a lot of people do read the book thinking like oh this is just another way to think about faith and blah 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 that type of thing um in total there's only a couple thousand people who are followers of the arantia book so it's definitely not a huge religion but the book has been uh, translated into a bunch of different languages. It's free, like I said. So if you feel like going down that hole and downloading a 2,000-page PDF, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's where Sleepy Time Tea comes from and a bunch of the quotes from there. And the guy, I mean, yeah. Uh, so our... So is is it safe now? Did they get bought off by Unilever or something? Can we buy Sleepy Time? You can buy Sleepy Time. Yeah. So people don't think that it has anything to do with eugenics or the Arantia book anymore, um, which is probably a good move for them. And uh, Celestial Seasonings is still lauded as one of the most like ethical made whatever you want to call it foods stuff that's tracked by the FDA um, there's a site called how good that rates packaging of food products and celestial always gets a great rating um, oh. it's 
better than 85% of all other foods and stuff that are made in the U.S. The funny part is, though, uh, how good actually works with Celestial Seasonings, and it's like one of their sponsors. So mm-hmm. keep that oh, in well, mind. Take it with yeah. a grain of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Also, if you want to look up the Kellogg stuff, that's also very, very fun. He They've made some movies he, about that too. Yeah. He yeah. made a race betterment foundation oh all about God. it. Like he he was not a great guy. But all the famous people went to his like sanitarium that he created, like Sojourner Truth went there. Like a bunch of fucking famous people went there before it uh basically kind of succumbed to the Great Depression, and then it was used as like a military base for a while. Sorry, I'm just rambling now about Kellogg, but yeah, eat your flakes. Yeah, that's story. <laughs> eat your racist flakes and drink racist your racist flakes. tea to go to bed. I do love that all of his uh, dietary ideas for how to be healthy are the opposite of what the current dietary yep. idea. And I'm not saying that he's backward and we're forward. I'm just saying, <laughs> there you go. That's just how dietary stuff this goes. Is how yeah. it goes. He wouldn't yeah. have done well on the eugenics scale if he just kept eating like that, you know? Mm-mm. That's no, not that's Such a bad case of moronism. <laughs> moronism. So many I fun like old that. words. Just yeah. the best. But yeah. Thanks, Rick. Uh, yeah. That's... Wait, what does the text say about Jesus' childhood? I didn't read it. Okay. But... Um, <laughs> Sequel coming I soon. I mean, do we not want to download it. Yeah. I don't either. I feel like that's tracked somehow. I well, I've even doing this, like looking up like all of the different race eugenic stuff for, about all of them. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get fucking flagged because <laughs> they're gonna think I'm part of QAnon or something fun like that. But whatever. If I disappear in the middle of the night, just know that it's because of this podcast. She's part of the Proud Girls. And that's it. Yeah. Are there, is that a thing? Please say that's not a thing. I don't think so. Wait, I thought it was a thing and the proud boys got mad at the proud girls because they were like, this is a men's thing. I didn't know that. I thought you told me that. Oh, jeez. I don't know. But I heard, that's what I heard. They were like, we're proud Uh, girls. And they were like, no, you're not. Just got a factoid out of the chat here. Moron was used as a medical term for intellectually disabled people and is super ableist. So there you go. Oh, it, shit. Yeah, it was not just a fun word. There you go. Oh. So you can't say well, moronism. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> in general, but now I won't because I'll feel smarter enough not to do that. I would in general, but now I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, speaking of military bases, mm. sure, why not? Um, let's talk about an old military base. So 190 miles southeast of LA in the Salton Trow area of the Sonoran <laughs> Desert in Imperial oh. County, California, lies. One of those lakes that disappeared. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, lies Slab City, a.k.a. Yeah. The Slabs. 
Um, This is an unincorporated off the grid squatter community consisting largely of snowbirds, which is really one of my favorite terms. Uh, It's so cute. And it took its name from concrete slabs that remained after the World War II Marine Corps Camp Dunlap training camp was torn down. So prior to the United States official entry into World War II, the United States Marine Corps wanted to find an area, a training ground for um, anti-aircraft artillery units. So it had to be big enough for aircraft to take off and land. Uh, And San Diego was like a huge air, you know, base. (laughs) So they were like, oh, this is close to San Diego. This is fine. It's over 630 acres. Um, And the base was named after Marine Corps Brigadier General Robert Henry Dunlap. That's a lot of capital letters in that. Uh, It opened on October 15th, 1942. They had fully functioning buildings, water, roads, sewage collections. Uh, The base was used for three years during the war. And then by 1949, military operations had been severely reduced. There's just a skeleton crew there. And they continue to just kind of like hang out on the base, uh, keep it alive-ish until it was fully dismantled in 1956, leaving only the slabs. And that's when the mole When I was in high school, Um, we used to party at this place that we called the slab, and that's what it was. It was like an unfinished house, and it was just a slab in the woods. I wonder if it's still there. That rules. We just, uh, we had an oil field Behind our high school. Mm. We used to go have oil field parties. Mm. I only went once because I wasn't cool. Uh, So this area is now Slab City. The specific area is where the artillery training range was in the camp. Um, And it was first settled by a few veterans who had already worked on that Marine base. Um, And then as they're there, Eventually, some drifters come through, and then RV owners, and then folks that are just trying to find some camping spots outside of Palm Springs. The current residents refer to themselves as as slabbies, and uh, tourists are called normies. Uh, Oh, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. As of October 6th, 1961, a quick claim deed conveying the land to the state of California was issued by the Department of Defense. As it was determined that the land is no longer required, the deed, however, did not contain any restrictions, recapture clauses, or restoration (laughs) provisions. So it's just like, here you go. Bye. Don't. mm." We don't mind. Um, yeah, we, we literally are gone. Bye. Yeah, and then they also, like, they didn't propose to remove the slabs either. Um, and then later, uh, legislation required that revenue generated from this property go to the California State Teacher Retirement System. Uh, that said, not wow. a lot of revenue coming out of these slabs. Um, Unless they're going to start taxing all that weed. Weed... We'll see. Uh, so Slab City's popularity surged after an article was printed in Trailer Life and RV Magazine Woo! in 1984. 
Um, and then in 1988, San Diego Reader reports that there were no more than 600 to 700 RVs around 1983. And then one resident estimated there were about 2,000 trailers uh, in March of 1988. So, like, that's how much it exploded. Wow. Slab City has been referred to as a squatter's paradise. Uh and locals consider it to be one of America's last free places. There are clearly people there who don't want to be found. So, uh, you know, you just kind of can go and disappear in the desert here. Um, you say they have a flag. Do they have a flag? Uh, I don't know if they have a flag, but they do have like a really cute little welcome sign. Oh, okay. That's good <laughs> um, the population there is seasonal. Uh, so there's about 4,000 people there in the winter and about 150 people in the summer. Um, since the 1950s, Slab City has drawn anarchists, artists, uh, eccentrics, outcasts, retirees, drug addicts, and the impoverished. So <laughs> just a healthy little bit. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. like yeah. Sturgis. No, uh, sorry. I, mean, I know, right? Like. <laughs> Sounds like Burning Man, possibly. It's yeah. like a hot dead wood. Um, back <laughs> when it was actually dead wood. So, uh, let's see. Oh, mostly senior citizens over 60 years old. It's a popular winter destination for transients. So, not only the... And the se- senior citizens over 60, that's typically going to be the people that are there in the winter. And then same thing for like the crust punk kids who are like, fuck you, mom. I don't want my trust fund. And then go out. Um, Slab City is also used by um, uh, not only RV owners, travelers, and squatters from America, but also Canada. So Canada's like, eh, that sounds ride. good. Let's <laughs> go to the yeah. desert. Um, the economy in Slab City. So the most common uh, source of income for the permanent residents is probably Social Security (laughs) checks. Uh, Slab City's (laughs) income mainly comes from tourists and and donations. Uh, Almost every resident in Slab City collected disability benefits, Social Security, or unemployment. Another steady source of income at the time, so this was from an article in 1990, was selling salvage goods to visitors. That kind of is still the the same. So Slab City isn't an official town or city. The state of California, therefore, does not collect property taxes. So fuck off teacher retirement, I Mm. guess. Uh, There are no landlords, so your rent's not going to go up. So some of the people are there because they don't have anywhere else to go. And others are just more content, like, not, you know, wearing shoes. So they're like, fuck it, I'm going here. Um, Since the less fortunate slabbers may be earning money through government assistance alone, uh, they have to live off as little money as possible. A previously homeless slabber claimed he spent only five or six dollars a month Mm. in addition to food stamps. So without a lot of income, slabbers are, uh, they resort to a bartering system. Uh, And in addition to bartering supplies, many slabbers trade their time and skills with one another. 
a slabber named Paul Holman III, who previously worked at a Renaissance fair. Of course. Okay. Building sets and said, I figured I could fit in here. I had the skills. <laughs> sure did, bud. Um, so sl- some slabbers, I'm going to murder my dog. <laughs> some slabbers make money by charging others for their skills, such as Solar Mike, <laughs> who sells solar panels. Residents with working vehicles can make money transporting water, goods, or people. Um, there are pretty much zero jobs in the area, but once you get set up, you shouldn't, it shouldn't cost more than 200 to $300 a month to live there. Um, and then some slabber set up stands to sell merchandise, uh, like artwork and tie dyed slab city souvenir shirts. Uh, and then a, a slabber, George Sisson rented out a few RVs to visitors to make money. And eventually, you know, it's like an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's actually on Airbnb, I believe. Mm. Oh, <laughs> he said, I only had two people show up, see the place, and turn right back around and drive out again. Everybody else, I guess, is like stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a firing range nearby that can also provide some income for slabbers that are like, Hey, we'll, we'll clean up these shell casings. <laughs> what a fun job! It's I like know. the kid with the golf ball kid, but they're still yeah. just trying to shoot you while you're picking up just the shit. Driving your little mm-hmm. bulletproof Pope mobile mm-hmm. up there. Um, during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, most tourist destinations were closed, which had economic ramifications on Slab City since that's how they make most of their actual money. Um, and it also impacted its availability of food and water, uh, which also repli- uh, relied on tourist donations. So residents were also divided or still are divided on whether to uh, defy government guidelines. I mean, the, uh, their entire nature being out there, right? right? Right. But it's also a bunch of old folks. Right. True, true. And Yeah. And uh, Imperial County had uh, 55 confirmed cases of the coronavirus out of 417 tests. Imperial County in general is just kind of a county of either very small or nothing cities, mm-hmm. uh, communities. So uh, let's see, Tourism Slab City has a free lending library, an outdoor music venue called The Range. Uh and there's also a bunch of uh, art installations and areas. So the settlement has uh, an internet cafe, a hostel, um, a skate park built inside what remains of the military base swimming pool, right? So you can just like oh, of course. Just drop yeah, in, there was yeah. skate drop park. in, bro. Drop in. Uh, yeah, I thought the whole thing was going to be a skate park. I'm surprised. Right. Only it's all concrete. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these. Uh, all of these were have been closed in the pandemic. So Salvation Mountain is one of the things people go to see, and it's located just east of the California State Route 111. I'm sure they call it like the 111 and not California State Route anything, but I'm from Texas. 
it's the entrance to Slab City and it's like right there and that's how it's recognizable. Uh, it's on a small hill, approximately three stories tall, and it's entirely covered in latex paint, concrete, and adobe and Bible verses. Mm. Uh, nice. It was a project built over two decades by Leonard Knight. Um, it's a 50-foot tall piece. Um, it's, quote, an unofficial centerpiece for the community and cementing the area's anarchic creative identity. Ooh. In 2002, Salvation Mountain was named a Congressional National Art Treasure. Uh, and then the current Salvation Mountain is actually the second. Uh, Knight built the first one in 1984 using highly unstable construction methods <laughs> and it collapsed <laughs> in 1989. So he just got right back on that horse. Um, okay. There's also an area called East Jesus. Get it? East <laughs> Jesus nowhere. Uh, it's an experimental, sustainable, and habitable art installation located in the Slab City area. There's no religious connotation with the name East Jesus, just to double down on that. Um, and it operates with no municipal utilities. So in early 2007, Charlie Russell left his job in, in tech uh, and then put all of his shit in a shipping container, sent it to uh this area near slab city and he just began surrounding his two cars with sculptures uh russell often called container charlie love uh, it renamed this settlement as east jesus and he died in may 2011 um a nonprofit has since guided the curation and expansion of east jesus so it features a variety of um, experimental art, including live events, performance art, music, photography, <laughs> and most prominently, sculptures. Works I'm really, are. I'm hmm? glad we're on live stream so that people could see your performance art face. Performance mm -hmm. art. Ooh. I'm performance sure it's the art. Same face everyone makes. Um, <laughs> Works are continually added uh, and they degrade quickly because of the desert climate, uh, even though there's caretakers. So it's mm. they kind of, a few people have referenced it as like a salvage punk ethos. Like you just kind of everything there is either decaying or growing, but it's always in a state of transformation. Mm. Um, and then let's see, there's the range, which is the open air nightclub with stage lights, amplifiers, and speakers, um, tattered couches, old chairs, you know, mwah, love it. <laughs> Every Saturday night at around dusk, good time, uh, locals and visitors meet for a talent show that features <gasps> permanent resident musicians <clears throat> and anyone else who wants to get on stage and perform. It's an open mic. Oh, oh my wow. God, Lisa, let's go. Yeah. It's an open mic. Uh, the oh. venue is run by old time resident William Amon, <clears throat> known as Builder Bill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amon's wife, Robin Amon, collected old prom dresses for people to wear. These oh, are, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. They're used. I want to go. When well, they use the, okay. So then, Slab City has an annual prom. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a yearly party. It's open to everyone, 
And for a lot of the older people, it's like a fun party because they're about to take back off. You know, these snowbirds are like, it's getting fucking hot. I'm out. Um, And so there's also another element of the people that live there where they may have never been actually at a prom before. So Mm -hmm. it's this really sweet thing. Um, And then going a little bit into the community. So right now it's largely divided into two sections, East Jesus and Slab City. The weather can hit 120 degree days. The winds are like 60 miles per hour. So like, bitch, a tent won't work. Uh, (laughs) You better have something. And then there's uh, many residents are using generators, solar panels to generate electricity. Clean water is dispensed from a tank at the community church. The closest body of civilization with proper law enforcement is approximately four miles southwest in Nyland. Uh, This is also where they go for like basic shopping. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the slabbers or year rounders, another name, um, again, pulled their money from government programs and they've been driven there, uh, by poverty or job loss. So you kind of have the fun, the fun folks who are just coming for the winter. And then you've got the folks that are a little stuck there, but also happy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, others have been. Uh, have moved there voluntarily, but there is kind of a segregation between the older residents and the younger residents. Uh, The older residents are like, this is burning man. We're going to, you know, trade goods and exchange services. And then some of the younger folks, not all of them, but some of them are like, wait, I can fucking do drugs here. Right. (laughs) Cool. Uh, It's also, Uh, composed of more than a dozen like individual neighborhoods. So like they've set up little small camps and they're like, this is Crestview. Uh, (laughs) Hey. uh, One resident is reported to have ran a weekly self-help group for women in the community, which I thought was really sweet that this Mm -hmm. article highlighted that. Um, When visitors arrive, they often notice uh, the amount of garbage piled up, right? Mm. We don't have municipal support here uh mostly like prepackaged food and chips and cup of noodles etc it's like a massive someone described it like a massive rv park in low season full of garbage without anyone taking care of it you don't really see any people it's empty and looks sad (laughs) yeah well but you got those 60 mile an hour winds that just take the garbage to where it's it's gonna go in coachella into nature's trash can nevada Um, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the Nature's grand ashtray. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh the area also has natural hot springs, um, but it might also be dangerous to do that because there have been bodies found there in the past Ooh. and the water may be contaminated. Ooh. Uh social distancing is also very hard right now, um, because they do rely on each other so much. <laughs> Um, also the elderly population, there's no health infrastructure. The nearest hospital is 40 minutes away. Uh, lack of insurance, lack of running water and sanitation and anti-governmental and conspiratorial beliefs all make, uh, for a real fun time during COVID. Yeah. I still want to go do an open mic there. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to drive by Slabtown. Yeah. So let's do a drive by. 
Crystal meth. <laughs> Fairly common. There you go. Or much of I the- thought you were going to say is the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> they call her crystal methy. Um, <laughs> The usual, this is the usual cause for any kind of police response to Slab City um, because it'll, it starts with crystal meth, but then it turns into camping boundary disputes, Mm -hmm. sometimes burglary. Um, And then in December of uh, 2019, there was a two day Imperial Valley fugitive seeking effort, which I guess is like warrant roundup, but intense. Uh, it was called Operation Valley Grinch. Jesus. Uh, four fugitives hiding in Slab City were apprehended. Um, there's also a ton of I, I, the most governmental uh, employees that they see most frequently are uh, Border Patrol because they're 50 miles mm. away from Mexico in the middle of nowhere with no laws. So Border Patrol goes through Slab City quite a bit. I want to go to Slab City. I did. I totally want to go. I totally want to go to that Saturday Night Talent Show. That sounds like the best thing ever. Hell yeah! And that prom. Yeah. Prom sounds fun too, but I'd feel a little bit like, you know, a, a crasher, a party crasher, just like my real prom. Aww. Oh. Oh. Not a All good right. time. All right. Go therapy that out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> No, I've locked my children in a room and I should unlock it. Mm. So, um, Legally. Yep. And I think we're going to do it yeah. again, right? I think so for our 100th episode. <gasps> yeah. Yay. So this is Yay. our 97th episode, Karina, mm-hmm. right? So right. that so means month. not next weekend. Yeah. Not the next the one, but the next one. <laughs> What? I didn't tell you guys. I didn't tell you guys. Oh, what? Where I'm going to be in two weeks. Where? I'm getting a puppy. Oh, right. oh yeah. You're I have a picture of my Irish puppy. setter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, hold on. I got a picture of my puppy. I want to share it before we go. Sorry, it's me time. I love it. I I will always want to see a picture of a dog. Like, there's never not a time that yeah. I want that. Dog pictures are good. And we just like two days ago got to pick our puppy out of the litter. Do you know what you're going to name her? First choice, Chestnut. So this is showing the breeder's like birth order name, but we're going to name her Chestnut. Oh my God. Right? Look at that side eye. That is a good side eye. Cute. That's so exciting. Personality to spare. So we're going to go to Missouri in two weeks. So if you guys have any, um, requests for us to bring back any weird shit from Missouri. I've, I can totally do that. I assume that's what's on, only in there. I don't, I don't know much about Missouri, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to, uh, maybe we can podcast from, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But yeah, I think that's there's a precious, nice. there's a precious moments cathedral. I <laughs> think it's in Missouri. Okay. I'll look that up. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll see if I can visit it. I, I want to like do a, a live from the road trip. Not live live, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Precious moments with precious your precious puppy. Closed for, closed for COVID because we couldn't get tiny masks to put over their little teeth. <laughs> <laughs> their mouths are so small. And their eyes are so Their big. eyes are so huge. 
white. It's a precious moment's voice. Yep. It is. Yeah, <laughs> sure is. A mouth. Little angels with tiny mouths, and they sit on clouds, and they love each other. It's true. Lots of hand holding. Oh, lots of hand everything. Jobs. Yes. Great. Oh, I don't um, want to think about okay, child and that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Follow us at Weird Brunch wherever, and we'll see you in a few weeks for episode one hundred. Hey, weirdbrunch.com for all the everything. Okay, bye. We love you. <laughs> all right. Love.